Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Chargers. It's the season wrap, and certainly, low we can look back or we can look forward. Looking back uh, forces us to dissect a 5-12 and 12 season uh, that prior to its start, if you would have asked me to pick one of two, 12-5 or 5-12, and 12, I would not hesitate to have picked 12-5. and five. Not feeling comfortable about it, but feeling like it was considerably more likely than the disaster that the Chargers, their fans, the players, the coaches, all experienced that, that led to a house cleaning, uh, a top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft, and what Dean Spanos uh, said in his press release after the departure of Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley, a complete reimagining of the organization moving forward. So, uh, you know, beyond what we saw on the field on Sunday, uh, this past Sunday against the Chiefs, I don't think really has a whole lot of impact on what we're going to see come August when the first preseason game gets rolling or training camp opens or the rookie camp opens in in June in this calendar year of 2024. So I think it makes a lot more sense um, moving forward and, and looking forward. And, and just, I guess I'll ask you though, Lo, to kind of, as someone who's been through it in a number of different ways, you know, great success on the field versus some failure that you didn't expect on the field. What does a player take away? Well, what does a player walk away from? You're all competitors. You know, you all want to succeed. You all want to reach the top of the mountain. What do you take away when something goes as as wrong as the Chargers season did as you prepare for your following season. I, I think that's a great question, man. I think the biggest thing is self-evaluation. Uh, you, when, when coaches get fired, bottom line is players, coaches, they didn't do their job. And that's what's tough because players have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what did I do to help expedite this coaching in the GM how much did I how much did I hold myself accountable and how much did I let down my coach, my GM, the coaches? Because these men have families too. These are guys that have an opportunity. So you have to first start with yourself as a player. And I've been on places in New Orleans when you know Jim Moore quit on the team and you know fan, you know and uh, another coach had to, when interim took over. I've been on a team where I was with Cincinnati and and, you know, uh, you had went through a coach and several coaches there. So I've been there in those times where things weren't good. And the first thing I do is I'd say, okay, how did, what, what factor did I, was I on time to meetings? Did I do the things extra? How many plays did I take off? Well, and you have to go through that evaluation with self. That's huge that you have to do. So I think that's what one of the things are. But also you're looking and saying, okay, is it is going to be a cakewalk? Because now with new coaches, come new responsibilities when new coaches now you know you're going to be evaluated you're going to be evaluated more you're going to have to look and they're going to look in the mirror and tell you what did you do and knowing that now you got to play not only for a new coach but a new organization a new gm and here's the thing you're not their guys a lot of these guys have to realize right. that even though you got a new coach and you got a new gm that's not your you want that you weren't that person guy. The only person in that room that you could feel safe with, of course, is Herbert. And you know, maybe a couple of offensive tackles. You know, you you got a lot of draft capital later. later. Yeah. But a lot of guys just like, okay, I'm auditioning for a new team because things are gonna be different. You know, they you often hear it and it's almost borderline cliche because it's true. You know, regularly when something fails, the pendulum swings to the other side almost entirely. And and the Chargers are just getting done with a very young, inexperienced, 
schematically advantaged coach, not necessarily someone that was viewed as a leader of men, but more someone they liked the defensive scheme, what he ran with the Rams, leading them to the number one defense when he did it for that single season, someone that learned under the tutelage of Vic Fangio that believed in that scheme, that that believed he had a way to, to counter the offenses led by Patrick Mahomes in the division, by Joe Burrow right. in Cincinnati, by all of these other spots. And, and that was the idea behind the hire. And, and once he got in, I think what you saw was someone, and, and I've said it here, I appreciated Coach Staley. I, I really appreciated our relationship. I, you know, I believe him to be a, a solid individual, a good human great being, man. a great husband to his wife, Amy, a great father to his sons. But at the same time, I also saw somebody that was very player-friendly that would – call his players gangsters and Mikey Davis Vato and somebody that, you know, and Justin Herbert Herbo and just somebody that was almost like more their friend than the coach. And that's fine. Sure. And that works. Look, it's working for Mike McDaniel in, in, in Miami. You know, he has that same sort of vibe and he's a schematic guy and it works. It just didn't work here. And, and I think that's why that it tends to, to sit when you have disappointment, especially such great disappointment in a five-win season, when you had shoved, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into this year to win the Super Bowl, and you come out with a top-five pick instead, you get the feeling that that pendulum is probably going to swing. That you need someone with a little bit more of an iron fist, a little bit more of a leader of men, maybe somebody that's a little bit older as opposed to appear more of an authority sure, figure. Sure that's going to set the tone. They've got the talent in in the three. We've talked about it. The three most important positions in football, they've got it. Justin Herbert, Rashawn Slater, Tuli Tuipelote. They've got mm -hmm. it. And they're going to be able to add a top five pick. And we'll get into that in a minute and what direction they can go, some of the prospects that you could see, see slotted it. And number five, but I think as we just kind of discuss who the leaders are going to be, Low, I think you're probably talking about a general manager that has experienced Probably the greatest success. Somebody that's been on a staff that has either been to or won a Super Bowl. And I think that's why some of the names that you're seeing already, Adam Peters in San Francisco, uh, Jeff Ireland in New Orleans, some of these, you know, uh, Joe Ortiz in Baltimore. These are, play, these are individuals that have been in these positions in the front office that have either gone to, have won a Super Bowl, have been to repeated Super Bowls, you know, have been to multiple NFC or AFC championship games. I think that's probably where that thing starts. If we just kind of start at the the general manager position, I would assume that it's going to come from one of those organizations. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of things great about Joe. I know Joe. Joe was head of scouting. Joe's with Joe Ortiz in Baltimore. I, I like this guy. I think that he's a good guy, and I think he could, you know, kind of turn that around. I think when you look at certain guys, like you alluded to, guys that you've seen that had success, you look at the Niners, they've had success. So I think that it is going to be one of those guys that's already shown that they could have success and have it at a, at a high level. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing who is going to be the GM, who is it going to be with consistency? So, yeah, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm moving in and out right now, bro. I'm dropping off my daughter. Hey, you're, you're a guy <laughs> on the move, Lo. It's all good, man. It's funny to me. I'm sedentary. There's a reason why you're all swollen <laughs> in shape, Lo, and I'm, I'm a skinny 153 pounds. I'm sitting around. You're on a move. Hey, man, I love it because you're, like, giving me the little smile as I get out of the car. Like, and I, you're like, look, look, look at Lo. He's still holding it together. But, no, I, I do think a, a guy like Joe – would fit that would fit that description well, but we know that the Chargers are in a situation that they do have they can't miss. You've been in a situation for the last seven or eight years. 
five, six years that you've been so close, you've been to a playoff, but you just haven't got over the whole, the, over the hill, and you haven't showed the consistency that you that you need. And I think it starts, and it's everywhere. Cleo had an unbelievable year, but when you think about Justin Herbert and you look at the player and what he's capable of, we all talk about this could be possibly top five quarterback in the league, and maybe not even higher. Sure. But at times you see it's like, man, what happened? Where where was Herbert or, or what happened? What happened with the talent that's around him? You haven't seen that consistency level that you want to see from, from him as well. Because when he's on, I don't think there's two or three quarterbacks better. Well, and that's, you know, where the, you know, that's where the Chargers have an advantage. Right. And, you know, for all of these openings, you've got great owners, you know, you've got new owners, you've got a lot of money that could be spent. You've got draft capital. Um, you know, you've got historic franchises, you know, in Washington, in the NFC East with a new owner, Josh Harris, that wants to spend money that, um, you know, so I think they're going to have competition. The idea that, 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 you know, if Jim Harbaugh is the individual that all of the, you know, as we talk more about the the head coach here, if that's the name that you want and that's what you're fixated on, understand there's going to be competition. Mark Davis has already handed right. Josh McDaniels 10 million bucks a year, right. uh, you know, after flaming out in Denver. He's already handed John Gruden a 10-year, $100 million deal when people thought it was crazy that that's the, the contract he was willing to write. If he wants Harbaugh, he's going to make him a substantial offer. You know, in Washington, if they want Harbaugh, he's got an opportunity right. with the number two overall pick to get a brand new quarterback <laughs> and likely Drake May to have $70 million in money to spend in free agency to build that team in his own image. Like, there are going to be other appealing outlets for him to ply his trade, and he's going to have to weigh each of them, you know, he's going to have to measure each of them equally. The one thing I would say if we just focus on that one name, is he fits the criteria we discussed. Somebody that walks in and says, I was 44 and 19. I took a team that was 6 and 10 to 13 and 3 in the NFC Championship game, and were it not for a fumbled punt by Kyle Williams in overtime, very well could have gone to the Super Bowl in his first season, coming off a 6 and 10 season. I, th- I think that's what they yeah. might have been worse. They may have been, were they coming off 6 and 10 or 3 and 13? It was one of those two. It was bad. It was horrible. But it, so. And by the way, the one thing I like most about Harbaugh's coaching career with the 49ers, so I want to make sure I get it right because I pulled it up. Yeah, so, you know, we had the 8-8 eight and eight year in 2014 when things started unraveling, when just the, the situation with Bulky and Bulky yeah, had come Bulky, to a head. Yeah, and Bulky. Jed, like, yeah. it was exactly, you know it, Lo. It was a mess. Like, Bulky, it, it, Jed had picked Bulky, and it became ugly in a hurry. But those other three seasons, he won a playoff game. Like, it's, you know what the playoffs are. And he managed to win at least one playoff game in each of those first three seasons. He obviously won two, went to the Super Bowl, you know, won two in one of them, won two in the other, and and nearly won a Super Bowl, you know, came down to the final five minutes against his brother John. So this is someone that not only won in the regular season, 13 and 3, 11 and 4, 12 and 4, 8 and 8 that final year, but one in the postseason, one and one, two and one, two and one. So that to me goes a long way when you're talking about you know what candidate do you want to do you want to hire to bring in here you're, you're absolutely right and that's the thing about the hardballs in general you look at baltimore baltimore consistent they're consistently going to be physical you know you're going to have a team that's going to be physical you know you're going to have a team that's not going to quit you know that you even though you might not win it you're going to be there that's what this Charger team needs. They need a guy that's going to change the way that they play football. That means 
being more physical with consistency. When you think about Harbaugh, he went to a Super Bowl with just a guy, not a great quarterback. He went to the Super right. Bowl, and he's in the NFC just playing great physical, running the ball, getting downhill. So now you're in a situation that Harbaugh is going to have a quarterback. And what is Harbaugh known for? And what was he in college? And what was he in the pros? He was a quarterback. So now you're going to give him, look at Michigan. They, you know, been in the, all these years he's been there. They've been consistent. They've been tough. This year you gave them a guy that can throw the ball and have consistency so they just don't have to depend on the run. They were hell. And that's why they yeah. won a title. So now you put Herbert with Harbaugh, the toughness, the attitude, the virado that he's going to bring, and the swag that Herbert is now going to, you know, play with, and the and the guys that how he's going to be way door to man. I guarantee they will not lead the NFL in sacks. They'll be one of the lowest teams in sacks because Harbaugh will demand that. And he will have the ball out of his hand. So I think that he's a coach, not that just a good coach and going to bring physicality, but he's a coach that is going to play to the player's strength and is going to play to the whole team's offensive play strength because he's going to know what they're capable of. And he's not just going to say, here, we got to run the system. He's going to know which guys can do what, how long they can hold blocks. And he is going to make this team, in my opinion, if he is the head coach, a lot better. Yeah, I, everybody would agree. He's won everywhere he's gone from the University of San. We've talked about it. We've yep. litigated yep. it in this space before. No need to 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 dig any deeper. I do think it's important though to recognize that it's not it's not you know the only coach in this search. You know they've already requested Steve Wilkes, Ben Johnson, Aaron Gled, Todd Monken, Dan Quinn, Patrick Graham, Raheem Morris, Kellen Moore, and Giff Smith have already been interviewed uh, after their interim stint. Well, Kellen is the OC this year. Giff is the interim head coach. Brian Callahan and Leslie Frazier. That's a that's a mixed bag. That's guys with former head coaching experience in Wilkes, Quinn, and Frazier. That's offensive side of the ball in Ben Johnson and Todd Monken. That's defensive side of the ball in Patrick Graham. Raheem Morris, by the way, former head coach in Tampa. Um, Kellen Moore on the offensive side, Brian Callahan on the offensive side. That is, when it comes to assistance, that's pretty much the whole gamut. And John Spano said that this is going to be an exhaustive search, and it certainly appears to be as such. I, I think beyond Jim, you're talking about Mike Vrabel being let go in Tennessee. This is someone that established a culture of toughness, yes. very similar to what to what Jim did. This is, you know, someone that led his team to the best record in the AFC. Now, granted, he was done in by Ryan Tannehill's five interceptions and that three-point loss to Cincinnati, but, you know, he, they should have won that game. I yep. think that final was 16-13, and they had five interceptions in that game. We just saw what what he's able to coach up in a team that had nothing to play for at 5-11 and 11, except to ruin the season of the Jacksonville yep. Jaguars and make sure they didn't get in. And what do they do? They played with their hair on fire they and they beat the snot out of the Jaguars and, and won that game. So certainly he's got a heck of a resume. Dan Quinn made Matt Ryan an MVP with Kyle Shanahan as his OC went to the Super Bowl. And unfortunately for Dan, I just don't think they ever recovered. No, they never recovered from 27 to three and losing the Super Bowl, but it's someone that won a Super Bowl as a DC with the Seahawks that would probably bring back some familiar faces for continuity. I would see him likely maybe trying to get Gus back out here to coordinate the defense with him. Would probably keep Kellen Moore as the OC, so there's some continuity there. And then I think, you know, we've already talked about Jim Schwartz. We know what Ben Johnson has now done with Jared Goff, who was thought to be a throw-in right. for an extra first-round pick, so the Lions would take the contract. He's turned him into a pro bowler. Amon Ross St. Brown into one of the best receivers in the league. You know, rookies – 
Laporta and Jameer Gibbs are going to be on the all-rookie team. No like, question. this is someone that can coach his tail off right. when it comes to offense. So there's plenty more candidates out there that if it's not Harbaugh, you'd feel, you know, good about bringing one of those guys or somebody else in. It's There's plenty of good coaches. You know, when you go through low, when you look at the, the, the playoff picture – Right now, I think we may have done this last week. I don't want to get too deep into it as I look at it, but like when you when you get into who's playing, you got Mike Tomlin, but you know, or I should say, uh, the playoff schedule. When you here, let me make sure I pull it up here as I'm stumbling all yeah, over the place. The when Bills, you look at right? the playoff they, schedule, they got the Bills, Tomlin and the Bills, right? Yeah. So exactly. So you've got Sean McDermott, first time head coach, right? You've got. You know, in the wild card round, what do we got? Kevin Stefanski, first-time head coach versus D'Amico Ryan's first-time head coach. Mike McDaniel, first-time head coach versus Andy Reid, of course, went to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, one of the longest-tenured coaches in the league. Then you got Mike Tomlin, 17 years versus Sean Sean McDermott, first-time head coach. Matt LaFleur, first-time head coach. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl with the Packers. Sean McVay, first-time head coach. Dan Callahan, first-time head coach. Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni, first-time head coach. Todd Bowles had a short stay. You know what I mean? It's not like this is not Parcells versus Schottenheimer versus Landry versus Jimmy Johnson. Like, there's a lot of first-time guys that are taking their teams into the playoffs that are trying to win a Super Bowl. It it can work any way. You just got to do your best to vet and search and find that right person that can unlock the most out of your personnel. How much would that being said? Because you're absolutely right, Matt. It, it, there's a lot of coaches that are qualified, a lot of coaches that can win right now. We know that. But when you talk about Harbor, what's the separate? Is it the sizzle? Because all those names you said, some of these guys are probably maybe just as good of coach. They, they have that word, that mystique. They've shown that they can win. But what is it? Is it just that hardball because of who he is that's the selling tickets? How much is that predicated? You think on John's decision? The only the, the reason why I would put him ahead of everybody else and have a gap between he and everybody else is nobody else that they hire, save Bill Belichick. But that's not going to happen. No one else they hire can walk in the door and say, I'm a winner. You're losers. It ends now. I don't lose. You guys lose. Mm-hmm. I do not. I never have. Never in my entire career have I lost anywhere I've been. Not at D2 San Diego, not at Stanford, when they were, you know, they, they were the freaking punching bag of the Pac-12. I turned them into the baddest-ass team in all of college football and won. And, and darn near made a run at a national championship with two Heisman, you know, should have been Heisman Trophy winners in Gerhardt and Luck. Right. I will make you individually successful. I will make you money. You know, took Richard Sherman from Brian and afterthought at, at yep. wide receiver to one of the highest paid corners in the history of the league. Andrew Luck, all of these players, you know, all Solomon Thomas, you know, all of these individuals that he got into the league, you know, and got paid. He can preach. I'll get you paid. We will win together. We will. You want to beat some tail? We're going to kick some tail. And we're going to when you step on that field, people are going to look across the sideline at you and they are going to fear you. And they are going to load the 60 minutes that lays ahead of them. I just don't think anybody else can do that. Not, not at 44 and 19 with the with the 49ers. Not knowing what he did with Stanford, intellectual brutality, right. and what he brought right. to college football. 
Not to what he just did at Michigan. You saw that. They beat the absolute hell out of Washington. They did. I mean, beat them to a pulp. Uncle, fourth quarter, they called an uncle. Made the quarterback look average. They really, the fourth quarter, eight minutes left in the game. They're up by seven. And just, you just saw Michigan take it to the next level. And they just made yeah. them quit. Made them tap out. Uncle, no more. And I'll tell you right now, if Harbaugh's the coach, there's a guy that no way leaves that place. I'm going to tell you right now, he loves veteran players, and that's Cleo Mack. The way that Cleo Mack plays and just he's going to yeah. keep – I think that he says, hey, I'd look, agree. He, I need this guy. I remember Kasim Osgood, on his, as I digress, I remember Kasim Osgood's free agent. I remember making him up the phone, calling Harbaugh, say, hey, here's a guy that's still got a little bit left in him, would be there, just a good leader for your team. Kasim, that's that last year. Kasim's like, you're, right. you're my agent. Thank you. I'll pay you. I'm like, no, Kasim, don't worry about it. You got to ask him that show, get him on the show, made that call to Harbaugh, but Harbaugh likes veteran good guys. Got was able to get Kasim there, and he played great for him. And that's a guy, Cleo Mack has a lot more juice. And when you see the way that he's playing, I think that Harbaugh, if he's the coach, that's one guy that'll stay on that roster. Yeah, that's a perfect segue, Lowe, as, as we kind of get toward the tail end of this thing here. Move on from the coach, the unknown, to more unknown. Who's going to be on this team? There's four names. Uh, I know we've discussed it. A lot of people are trying to kick it around, but there are four names and contracts that are going to have to be dealt with. And it's Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. Yep. You're talking all of them north of $30 million a year. The Chargers are $34 million bucks over the cap, unfortunately. It looks like they're going to lose one of the best players on their roster, Corey Lindsley, alluding to it's 99% likely that he's going to retire. He'll know more in March when he goes back in for a re-exam on, on his heart issue. Mm. But it sounds like that's done. He, he will go down as one of the great centers of his era, one of the great leaders of all time. So they're going to take a hit there, no doubt about it. But that's going to be $8.5 bucks that comes off the cap, at least a heavy portion of it is. But those four contracts have to be dealt with yeah. and they're going to probably be dealt with via trade, uh, perhaps via a cut or perhaps a restructure. And, and of the four, I think you're, you're talking about two players that are at an age where typically we see a precipitous decline in production. Sure. And that's Khalil Mack and Keenan. And you're talking about two players that have really struggled to stay on the field in Joey Bosa and Mike Williams, and that's why it's not an easy discussion or an easy fix to just, oh, you know what, whatever, just restructure, push the money further down the road. We want to keep all of these guys. Well, no, because there are positives, and that is the caliber of player that they are, and there are negatives. The inability to stay healthy and stay on the field, or there are very, very, very few. You can count them on one hand, and you won't get to five receivers in the league over the age of 30 that are still viable and still have an impact. Now, Keenan, certainly I would not bet against him, but you're betting against history is right. what you're doing at that point. And then same thing with Khalil, you're betting against history. That's someone that needs to play with explosiveness to dominate at his position can continue to do it at age 33. Um, but I'm with you, Lo. If there was one of those four that I would want to bet on, it would be Khalil. If you forced me to pick one, it would pro I think it would probably be that one. Just because in addition to what he did on the field and will be top five in defensive player of the year voting, but what he meant to Thule and the right. development of Thule and creating the mindset for Thule of how he should approach this game week in and week out. Yeah, I think that you you, you, you can restructure. And it's going to be interesting what they do with Bolsa. I, I, I mean, because I, I, look at me. I, I would not let any of those guys just walk. 
I'm on the phone and I'm trying to work a trade, uh, you know, hey, look, here's a cap, but I, I push Keenan. Hey, look, this is what Keenan right. can do. This guy's still playing at a very, very high level. You know, I got a uh, Kansas City on the phone because Kansas City might have a quick exit out of the playoffs. You know, if you you put a Keenan with, you know, Mahomes, you, 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 you got magic there. Just those guys can get on a good page really quick. So I don't I don't necessarily cut any of these guys unless I had to. But I'm definitely right. trying to get on the phone and see if I can work a trade. Uh, the two guys that I would restructure would be would be Keenan and Khalil Mack. I would try to restructure Keenan and Khalil Mack if I could get those guys for another two years to restructure and see if I can do something and make it incentive base and say, hey, Khalil Mack, we're going to see if we can get, you know, you have that type of year. We're going to pay you for it, but we're going to do it in incentives because you, you do. When you get a little older, it's hard to put up those type of numbers. So those two guys, I would make it an incentive base if I'm going to try to keep those two guys on my roster and on my team but the rest I'm, i am trying to make sure that i can get a trade because on the, on, you know you never know what you can get as uh, far as those values but it'd be it wouldn't be wise of the chargers to you know to just say let these guys go out right. the door so that's why it's imperative that they get this gm situation fixed out uh, finished up this week yeah i would say the only one i don't think you'd be able to trade is mike williams just because you know did his acl in week three he's yeah. due 32 million dollars i just don't quite think any team wants to take that on with the history of injury the neck the back the knee yeah, um it's a lot for that type of money and knowing you're gonna just tear that up and redo it but the price right. for wide receivers now you can you can certainly see someone wanting to do it especially with a younger quarterback sure. you know to me keenan is if you're Carolina and you're like, we need a professional down here. We need someone that that we know our young quarterback can count on is going to be in the right place at the right time. Houston, you know, imagine C.J. Stroud. He's got Nico to take the top off, and now he's got Keenan underneath running right. perfect routes for someone as talented as C.J. Stroud. It's things like that. I can envision a general manager saying, yeah, this makes sense. We got a young roster. We have the money to spend. We need a professional to, in his final couple years, show guys how it's supposed to be done and be where he says he's going to be for our young quarterback. And in addition to what you mentioned, obviously, a team that wants to get pushed over the top is going to want Keenan Allen, 100%. But I think there's that robust market for oh, him. No I can see that, where you can get a day two pick. There's always going to be somebody that wants Joey Bosa. I mean, he's no just question. too good. He's yeah. too talented. So that's, to me, that's another one where you're going to get a day two pick offered, no doubt in my mind. So that'll lessen the blow. And what that does, and look, it may be one where the next head coach comes in and says, absolutely not. We're keeping all those guys. I'll get them right. They'll get on the field. Don't worry about them getting hurt moving forward. We're going to get out. You know, that that may happen, and that would be great. I would love to see all four of those guys come of back, course. ideally. Right. Um, but I think that's probably what you're looking at. Those those three would, would be able to fetch a draft pick, take that, you know, $140 million, I think it is, off the books, yeah. at least a percentage of it. So you go from 34 over to probably somewhere around 40 to 50 under and now you can build the team free agent wise with your players how you see this thing coming together and more draft picks they need more draft picks and I think that's where we shift to the final part of the conversation today low and that's number five overall and it I hate to say it because I wanted gift to get the win I wanted Easton stick to get the win but losing did them a huge favor when yeah. you talk about yeah. blue chip talent in this draft and three quarterbacks. There are going to be three quarterbacks selected in front of the Chargers. They will get one of the two best non-quarterback players in this draft. It will go Caleb Williams one, Drake May two, Jaden Daniels three. Somehow in that order. It likely will be Caleb one. I don't know. Maybe Jaden and Drake flip. I However you want to put those three in order, 
those will be the first three picks of this draft, which means at four with Arizona, they have talked about how they are not moving on from, from Kyler Murray. Murray. They right. want to move forward with him. And, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. appears to be a lock for that number four. You're talking about a guy that looks nothing like his dad, remarkably. Six foot four, 220 right. pounds, right. and moves the way he does. That, to me, is, you know, that's, that's probably a lock. And now the Chargers have their choice between Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, explosive wide receivers that can change your offense, or the tackles, Joe Alt, Fashanu of Penn State, you know, because there really isn't a defensive player that's raising its hand. Right. Dallas Turner might be the most likely at an end position that you would pair with Thule moving forward, but I just can't see that. This offense has to get more explosive. So what I'm getting at is now you have, and we've seen, right? We saw the Falcons trade up multiple ones to get Julio Jones. We saw the uh, Dolphins trade up to get Jalen Waddell. We, we know what wide receivers can fetch. So you can stick and pick and probably take neighbors or take Odunze, or you can trade out. And you can slip back and still get a great wide receiver. Uh, all those LSU receivers are great. Oh, all great. those Washington receivers yeah. are great. Yes, you know you can trade. You can trade back and get Brock Bowers at fifteen or eighteen or whatever. You know, so there's plenty of opportunities for the Chargers, and that may be the best approach. I mean, selfishly, if you feel like you can get a blue chip talent and pair him with Herbert, I would love to see a Dunze or Malik Neighbors out there. And now you've got Quentin in his second year. He appeared to start getting more comfortable as the season went on, shaking off those early season struggles and thought he started to do some good things toward the end of the year. So yeah. now you've got that young core. I would absolutely re-sign Josh Palmer and I would feel great moving forward with Justin Herbert, throwing to Josh Palmer, Malik Neighbors or Adunze and Quentin Johnston as that core on cheap contracts oh, yeah. because wow. your, your quarterback is making 30, 40 million bucks a year now moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to look at it. But it's, I, I think another thing that we look at, Matt, is who's going to be the coach and who's going to be the GM. Yeah. Because if it's hardball, he's going to go tackle. He's going to say, we're going to yeah. get tough. We're going to get, you know, that. he's going to be like, I'm going to go ahead and get in the trenches. I'm going to get another tackle. So now I got my two tackles. He's got it. I got it covered. I got my quarterback protected. So now I'm like, I'm building in the trenches. And then he's going to say, okay, if I can get three second day or first day picks for Khalil Mack, you know, for Bosa or for, you know, and you, you're talking about, you know, your receiver Keenan. So if I got, now I got three second rounds that I can do. So now I can find that receiver and I can, right. you know, I can running push back. a running back. So if you're looking at this, a rebuild and can Herbert, you know, Keenan's great. We get it. He can move the chains. We understand that. And he's, you know, you're not going to get a rookie that's going to do what he can do. Maybe take the roof off the field and get that. So, but if you can say now, I got a second round pick and I got a fifth for it. So I got two. Now I can build my team back in the trenches because I got a quarterback who's not just a, he's a game changer, not a chain mover, but a game changer. My quarterback has the, has to have the ability to elevate the receivers, to elevate guys right. around him. And now I'm Harp, Harbaugh's going to put more pressure on Justin Herbert than he's had. They're going to take the kid gloves and say, you know what? You're no longer this kid glove. We're going to take the glove. The coach that comes in there is going to have to demand and have to push excellence out of Herbert because he's capable of it and he should be. And we know he can play and you know he's capable. So now the coach that comes in there is going to be like, no, 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 no. 
I'm not accepting that because you're going to change the way these guys are. You're going to make sure these guys are better and you're going to be in their butt. You're going to make them, you're going to demand excellence from these guys. And that's what he needs. Herbert needs a coach that's going to say, no, you get on them. I'm getting on them. But look, I'm going to go with someone else if they don't get it done. So I think that you're going to get in the trenches. I think depends on who's going to be. I really believe that this Chargers team is going to go with an elite tackle because that's what they need. Yeah, I have no problem with that. It works both ways. It's hard to find an elite tackle outside of the first round. They're typically taken in the top 10. You know, you look historically and that's where they're selected. They just, they have to get more explosive. They have to. They have no no speed. They have no explosion on the field. That is something. And and you can get that in the second round. You know, you see Tank Dell in Houston, second rounder, Rasheed Rice in in Kansas City, second rounder, A.J. Brown, second rounder, D.K. Metcalf, second rounder. You know, these guys are taken in the second round and they're explosive. And you can there's more wide receivers than tackles. Uh, It's certainly lined up. What what do you what's your you're in L.A. You get a close look at it. What so? What do you think about the Rams receiver? Cool, that you know, maybe we're getting. He was just you- hurt. He was he was hurt. Low. He didn't play. He didn't play. That's why he slipped to the fifth round. He couldn't get on the field. He was hurt his entire college career. Okay. But, okay. So when he was on the field, he was fantastic. But it's someone who just had a litany of injuries, and, okay. and that's why he slipped. And you were and you know good for the Rams because that's what you do in those rounds. Take flyers. You know, you take flyers on guys like Tariq Woolen, who's got right. these incredible measurables, but you can't quite see it yet when he's in college. You know, I think he was UTSA, if I remember right. So, but Seattle could see it. Like, you know what? Let's just take a flyer on. And that's what you do in those late rounds. That's what the best teams do is they, they take small school guys with inordinate production, you know, that dominated that level and see, all right, I'm projecting they can make a jump, but they were so dominant at this level. I'm going to roll the dice that they can jump. And it was just opportunity for them. And given the opportunity, they'll continue to shine or, I'm going to take traits. I'm going to draft traits. I'm going to draft wide receivers and corners that run in the four threes that are six foot three that have seven foot wingspans. You know, I'm going to take defensive ends that are six foot six with seven foot one wingspans, you know, and broad jump 10 and a half feet. Like that's, that's kind of what you do. Or I'm going to take someone that couldn't stay healthy and trust that we can get them healthy. You know what? We can get them healthy. We'll, we'll fit because when he was on the field, right, man, was he good. So let's just see if we can get him healthy. And if we can, it's it's a second round pick that is a that we get in the fifth. And that's, you know, look at Thule. Thule's right, a defensive right, end. Like right. Thule's in the second round because Pete, he was a tweener. They were just afraid. Is he big enough? Is he long enough? Can he play? And is he interior? Is he an edge? Is he too light to be an interior? Is he too short to be an edge? Like that's how you get guys like Thule in the 50s you know, when they should have been drafted in the first round. So it's like, you know, it's just that trade-off when you get into the draft. And and it speaks to what you're kind of talking about is, yeah, there's a ton of wide receivers. You know, there are not a lot of tackles. No, they, you there are, there just guys. aren't. They're just, they're, right. they're not. They, they, it's so evident which ones are good, you know, and which ones, or at least which ones you should take a flyer on. It doesn't always work out that way. But it tends to... I think about Sewell and Slater and how they were being discussed in that draft. And, you know, and obviously they both hit, you know, and, and I think you tend to see that. Rarely do you see those picks go super. Like Evan Neal obviously is really struggling for the Giants. Mike McGlinchey did not pan out for the 49ers. They, it happens. Right. But more often than not, it works. You know, even like Andrew, just think of like Mackay Becton, probably don't take the 370 pound guy 
let's not do that. That that you know, between injuries and just it's not that's too much. You're asking a lot out of somebody when they're carrying that kind of weight to take it off and keep it off and stay healthy when you're carrying 370 pounds on your right. knees. Like things, there's things that red flags that you can look at. But if I look at that draft and I think, you know, uh, about Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills and like they all hit, you know, right. they hit, right. and it's just you know so. Anyway, I think that it's going to be fun. Uh, hopefully you, next week we'll be we'll be talking about a new GM at least oh, maybe. Um, I think we will. I think we yeah. will. But if you had to, if I had to put you on on the spot, to, who's going to be the who's going to be the first who's going to be that five or six pick, and also who's going to be the coach? If you yeah, had, jeez, <laughs> talking about being put on the spot. Yeah, I had to, man. Um, I couldn't let you because because you know that. what? If God God forbid the person that does get hired if I don't say him is going to hate me in a hurry. Right. Okay, so but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, look, I like I, like I said, I feel good about any of those names and then some that we threw out. I think there are so many good head coaches out there this cycle, whether it's Mike Vrabel, Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Schwartz, Dan Quinn. Like, there's great, great coaches that that you could go with. I just feel, you know, and I I feel like I'm a representative of the fans because I talk sure. to them so much. So right. they want Harbaugh. I want to give them what they want. You know, I want to no give the fans what they want. I'd like to give him Jim Harbaugh. As far as the number five pick, selfishly, what do I like doing more than anything, Lorenzo? I like saying touchdown, <laughs> yes, Chargers. Yes, yes. I want the explosive you play. Want the receiver. You I want, want the receiver, receiver. It's, man. It's give obvious. me the, give me the guy the shiny, that's getting me 50 yard TDs. You want the shiny toy. You want the shiny Absolutely. toy, man. Man, you want the shiny toy Absolutely. that's going to be able to touchdown, Chargers. You that's want right. your call. You want to be. They're lighting it up. You know, right. give me that old, give me that old, give me that old Missouri chalk spider. I want that old, I want that old, I don't want that Shetland pony. I want that right. Missouri chalk spider that's, right. that's going to get out there and just pull the wagon. It's going to go out want. there and be that tough, that mud sledder. I want a mutter. Yeah. I want it, a mutter. I want it doesn't, guys. <laughs> as much as I appreciate it, it doesn't have the same ring when I say it that's doesn't. a heck of a block by all. <laughs> Really open it up on that six-yard run. <laughs> what about a fullback, what? man? Let's bring back the fullbacks. Let's make exactly. fullbacks hey, great again. Let's there, go. <laughs> Lo, there's going to be a – if Jim Harbaugh's the coach, you know what he wants. He wants a tight end with his hand in the ground, a fullback, and he wants to run power. We're going to have Absolutely. a fullback on this team next year. I have no doubt in my mind we're going to get ourselves a fullback. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see where it all goes. Uh, been uh, uh, just a slog of a season at 5-12, and 12, but the reward is full-scale changes. Uh, to the front office, to the head coaching position, uh, a reset, a reimagining, and a top five overall pick in every single round of the draft. They own all their picks, the ability to trade back, pile up more picks, uh, and maybe get a really elite playmaker at number five, be it a tackle to help you make those elite plays and protect the quarterback, or a wide receiver to go out there and do it himself. Uh, appreciate you, Lowe. It was uh, not the best of seasons, but certainly doing this was incredibly enjoyable, and we appreciate all the folks watching. Oh, you're the best, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me, uh, you know, be me and ride around in exactly. my car and give you, and give you the moving <laughs> screen. <laughs> there you go. Doing your best Cheers. Marshawn Lynch, cruising around in a cart. Absolutely. All right, we'll be back yeah. next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.